Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tim Off welcoming everybody to the dinner table. I'd like to welcome my special guest for today to to dinner, which I'll start in no particular order. I'll start with uh, John, who's otherwise known as the Blanc. He co-runs Monthly Mayhem and has 100% in games such as Mario and Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, Mario Odyssey, and Yoshi's Crafted World. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that research. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mostly run Monthly Mayhem, I would say, but yeah, no, that was fairly accurate. <laughs> And speaking of co-hosting and co-running the uh, Monthly Mayhem, we have Drew, who is not only the co-host of Monthly Mayhem or co-runs Monthly Mayhem with John, but he also is a co-host for the Disney Guys Uncensored, which is an excellent podcast, I must say, that I love listening to, especially to live vicariously through these guys for the Disney stuff that I don't get to do. (laughs) And speaking of Disney Guys Uncensored, we have another co-host from there which is what jason what podcast is this <laughs> right <laughs> it's they're taking over <laughs> no but i again you guys i love your show i love listening to you guys um and especially the history you guys dig up and share with your audience as well as when you do visit the parks you get you share what you do there so like i said i get to live vicariously through you guys uh also we have nick uh, he's our, our uh, currently our Nindad's chief reviewer as of late. He's been yeah. <laughs> yeah. with the reviews lately. And just thanks so much, Nick, for helping us catch up on a lot of those things that we just can't all do at once. So much appreciated. No problem. And just uh, in Nick case. Is, Nick is the only one here who hasn't been on the Disney guys, by the way. Oh, that's true. There's <laughs> good have... reason for that. I'd have a little to add, I think. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> so with that, let's jump right into the appetizers before we get into the main dish. And today's appetizer is the question, what did you get for Christmas that you'd like to share, that you'd like to talk about, that you're just so giddy about? Drew, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Uh, I, I got this super cool shirt that who didn't see it. It's kind of like the retro NES Zelda shirt. Um, uh, more importantly, I got a new game to, to dig into, uh, Witcher 3, which I probably sunk maybe, I don't know, eight hours into it so far. Um, definitely cool. I can, I can see all the, the hype and the, and the talk about it. Um, definitely not a game to play around the kid. That's for sure. <laughs> Right. But uh, no, you know it, it. It's one of those games. Obviously, it's a few years old, but it, it definitely draws you in. Uh, every single person you talk to is voice voice acting, which is amazing. Uh, there's there's nobody that's not you know voice acted, and they don't let you like skip ahead because they are voice acting it. Uh, it yeah, it's a fun game. I'm not gonna you know say too much again because I'm only you know 
eight hours in, but um, eight hours isn't too bad. <laughs> no, you know, it's not too bad. But that um, game, it's it's just scratching the surface. Scratching it, it's just the the uh, the prologue or something, or pre show. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. But um, yeah, I don't I don't need to get too much into it. it it's a fun game. Everyone kind of knows what it's about, and it's kind of what I'm excited to uh, dive into probably for the next two months. I'd say really nice, cool. Anything else that stuck out? Or is it just uh you know nothing crazy nothing crazy we don't we don't do too much for each other as far as gifts it's all about the kids nowadays right once you have the kids true. it's like that's where all the presents go so very nothing true. too crazy how about you nick yeah so uh well i know this is just audio only but uh the headphones on my head those were uh i was pretty excited to get those asked for those arctis 3 bluetooth um so yeah. uh yeah so i got those i was pretty excited about that um and then i also got the sweet purple and orange uh joy cons so those were my two nah, those are nice accessory things the best colors nick yeah. we're headphone we're headphone twins Yep. There you go. Well, yeah. Or triplets. I think we're triplets, actually. Triplets. triplets. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's nowadays it's called a thruple. Arctis threesome. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> nice. John, how about you? Um, yeah, usually every year I like to get some kind of gadget. This year there just wasn't a gadget I thought about a PSVR. I didn't ask for it. Um, but yeah, I got Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Um, that's a game that I'm already playing. And um, and you beat it already, some... right? No, no. <laughs> I'm going to beat it pretty quick because I, I do love it and I find myself to be a little addicted. I got, uh, my wife got me, because she's a big fan, Untitled Goose Game Schwag. I'm just going to hold it up to the camera here, but it's a set of stickers. Oh, nice. From Untitled Goose Game. I mean. And then, of course, you know, honk, honk, honk. Where honk. are you going to put those stickers at? Um, I don't know. I, I might put them on my laptop. They're stickers I definitely don't want to lose, so I'm not going to waste them. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I also got a uh, Untitled Goose Game shirt, which is just awesome. And, oh, that's cool. Uh, and then I used some of my Christmas money. I got The Witcher Three as well. Um, it was actually on sale. Perfect. I'm glad I didn't get it for Christmas. And um, I had some um, Amazon money, and uh, I didn't want it to get lost, so I bought the stretchers. Oh. Uh, which I was kind of waiting for it to go on sale because I wasn't sure about it. But I was like, let me give Nintendo. It's a first-party Nintendo game. Uh, so I was like, let me give them my full money. If I'm going to give anybody my full money, it's Nintendo. Um, of course. So we played that today. The kids really liked it. Um, I thought it was pretty good. So uh, yeah, no, got some uh, got some good games to play. Sweet. And Jason. So, the game that I got that really I'm I'm looking forward to sinking time into is Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it, I'm excited about it because I was a huge fan of the Dark Forces series back in the, the late 90s, uh, which was it was Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, then Jedi Outcast, and Jedi Academy. Um, but it, it puts you in the shoes of a Jedi just after Order 66 was put into place, and you're going around trying to figure out, find your way, and hide while still trying to accomplish what you can and it, it really does make you feel like you are a Jedi and it's it's a lot of fun to play and I'm looking forward to sinking a bunch of hours into it yeah I've got that one too I've mentioned that on the podcast that I've been putting some time into that and it's been a lot of time for me I don't get unfortunately I don't get as much time as some people do uh, which would be nice but uh, when I do get to play I spend a lot of time between that and Luigi's Mansion Three, so, yeah. <laughs> so those are two. I got to finish Luigi's Mansion myself. I'm only on floor ten. Nice, but yeah. Get going. 
Yeah, I, I'm still behind I got that too. And then Pokemon came in. I started on that one. And I got Pokemon. Speaking of Christmas gifts, I got Pokemon for Christmas. I got Pokemon Shield. Mm-hmm. The rest with the rest of the family. That was our family gift. And uh, the kids already started tearing into it. My wife and I still are a little bit behind, so we have to start getting into it. the The goal is to hopefully have family raids <laughs> when we get into it. <laughs> so right. it'll be kind of interesting to see if that happens. It's a great game. So absolutely excellent so and just to remind everybody anybody who's listening especially any other patreons um members if you want to join our our dinner table conversations we try to do this once a month this is the second one we've done so if you ever want to join always just send a message in in our discord or dm me on twitter and we'll make sure and get you invited in the next one i I hope these guys are having fun and um and you can too (laughs) you can enjoy the appetizers and dinner and the dessert maybe later too call ahead to make sure we know how much food to cook that's right exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right so now that we've done the appetizer let's move on to the main course the main dish and then uh after we're done with the main dish we'll we'll talk about the side dishes that you guys brought First up, the main dish, which is the topic of the night. What game defined the decade for you and or for the industry? So I asked you guys this ahead of time, so hopefully you guys had enough time to think about it. And you could have answered one or two of those or both. So, Nick, why don't you start us off, if you don't mind. Well, I kind of I, I DM'd you both. I think for the industry, kind of this this decade was the battle royale genre, um, and that really I think is one of the defining things of uh, in the video game industry in this decade. For me personally, um, it's Breath of the Wild. Uh, maybe not for the reason you would think, because I had kind of fallen out of gaming with the Wii U, with the Wii U, and I know as many of us at, or a lot of people's story is. Um, and I was going to pick up Breath of the Wild on the Wii U and just call it a day and maybe play it. I didn't really have any interest in playing the Switch at the time. I kind of just wrote it off. And then when I saw Breath of the Wild, I thought, I think, I, if I, when I saw that game, it was so epic. I thought, if I'm going to play that, I want to play it on the best system possible. And so I thought, okay, I'll pick up the Switch and just... Uh, and just see what it does, you know? And then I picked up the Switch and just totally fell in love with it, like, the moment I got it in my hands. And it totally brought me back to Nintendo um, from, like, the Wii era, where I kind of dropped off um, from it. So, for me, that has kind of defined That game, for that reason, has been my defining moment. Nice. So, anybody else have any comments for that, or um, want to interject? I don't think you can argue about breath of the wild and I'll, I'll just add on to what nick said um is that i haven't played a lot of open world games and breath of the wild was really like the first huge game that i played and i love that game like i just played it yep. it was like just a game i could not stop playing it and i've since breath of the wild i've played skyrim i have played some witcher 3 i've played red dead redemption um and nothing feels like breath of the wild like it feels it's so open, um, and the Zelda games before that, especially Skyward Sword, were so handholdy. And the thing that right. makes Breath of the Wild so amazing is how little it holds your hand. Um, it just—you just start off, you—you you just go. 
and everything's so open and you can always see everything and like i said i've been playing witcher 3 and one thing i notice is how constricted the view is and it's a big big world but you don't see it all at once at least i haven't seen it yet um and games like skyrim are more open too but you just can't traverse the mountains like you can in breath of the wild red dead redemption i felt was very sparse there's not a lot to do in between all the towns there's not a lot to discover um everyone always has different opinions on that but that's how i feel mm-hmm. Uh, but man, Breath of the Wild is just amazing. The way the music um, is just so quiet and just so perfect. Um, yeah, it really is. It's an industry changer. Yeah, for so, me, it was it was definitely one of those things where, like you said, it didn't handhold hold you. And there, that, I think that was the biggest complaint. Small in comparison to the game overall, but that was the biggest complaint a lot of people had was uh-huh. it's not telling me what to do you know so uh but one of the things i did enjoy too was the ability to look out into the distance and say i'm going there and mark it on the map and then you just head that way you know however you could get there whether you needed to climb something go around something or just find a way to get there it was a lot it was a lot of fun to do that Mm -hmm. agreed and and tim now that you're on this topic it's a good time because i wanted to bring it up where i told you a little bit offline but you know, I don't have a particular game that I think over the last 10 years that really changed my perception on gaming. I'm not, I'm not one that, as a gamer, looks at game, a game and says, oh, that, that changed the way I, 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 I want to play games or anything like that. But what I have thought about is it's kind of what John mentioned and you, you mentioned kind of combining the two where I think in the last 10 years we've seen this open world concept game and really take off, right? So... You think about if you're a PC gamer at all, you had these MMOs that go back forever, and it was something that was always on the PC, right? The the, the, the consoles couldn't handle that. And now we're, we're finding out that we have these consoles that are pretty much almost as powerful as a PC, if not stronger, certain ones, right? That it, it's game-changing in the way where you said it earlier, time is valuable, right? So... You throw a game out there like Breath of the Wild, like Witcher 3, like Skyrim, which are all 100-hour games to hundreds of hours, where we've all posted our, you know, hours per 2019, and yeah, that's, that's half or a third of some of our time. So when you look at 12-month span, it's like, do I have time to play three games this year? Right. If, if I played those three games in 2019, that's it. I'm done. Right. Kind so of like it, when you were hard. a kid, <laughs> it's it's hard when you want to you, you see these games. You're like, those are awesome. I want to try that. But I don't I don't have the time to do that. Right. Um, I mentioned it earlier. You know, The Witcher 3 has voice acting. And John and I talked about this as well is it's it's like a, a movie with cinematography, you know, you do this in Breath of the Wild, you do it in Witcher 3, I did it in Dragon Quest. I'm more into it as a, a story being told than me playing a video game. You get wrapped into a story, which I don't think video games ever did that before. right? Video games are more, let me push the buttons, let me platform, let me jump around, let me do my thing. Now it's it's different. It's, it's telling stories. They're, they're costing as much as movies to be made, if not more. Um, it, I think the industry has just changed where... It, it is this massive games, and how do we control that, right? So so where do these people like us that go to work every day, we come home, we don't have the ability to play multiple times a day, how do we fit these games mixed in with all these other games that we love? Never mind multiple consoles. Um, I don't know about Nick. I know the other you other three guys all play 
outside Nintendo. I'm a Nintendo only guy. That's all I have time for. Um, I'm with you. I'm Nintendo only, and I would have loved to pick up the PS4 bundle that they had going on um, mm-hmm. this Christmas. But man, I would have never been able to play it. So I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. But these games, and, and to the Breath of the Wild point. Breath of the Wild does a great job at what it is. It's a Nintendo game, and like you said, you can get to point A to point B. But I think some of these other games are on a whole new level. And it's not good or bad. It's just different, right, with the interaction with other characters and all these side quests and things like that. Like I said, literally hundreds of hours into one video game. Um, we talk about our, our money, right, value per video game. I always judge it by value per hour, right? which we always say it could be funny or not, right? You'd have a 60-hour game for 60 bucks, you get a dollar an hour, right? But um, you look at that concept, and it's like, crap, I could buy one game that lasts me three months, or I could buy one game that lasts me 15 hours. So, you know, it, 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 you've got to sometimes make those decisions, which, which, is, which is tough. But um, for me, it's, it's not one particular game. It's the, the game development of these massive open-world games that just kind of suck you in. Yeah, and... To your point, too, about the time versus dollar type ratio, I know there's been a lot of talk about that type of concept for some people break it down that way, some people don't. For me, it's more like um, 15 hours for me seems like 60 hours, you know, sometimes because it's like that 15 hours is spread over. Like if I go to how long does it take how long to beat dot com to find out how long that game is going to be. Yeah, it's a how long to beat.com. It's actually a thing. Yeah. So sometimes I'll go on there to get some information to find out how long is this going to, you know, on average, is this going to take to beat the main game or the story. Mm-hmm. And if I see 15 hours, you know, to some that might be a short game. For me, that's like, okay, I can spend, I can find an hour or two here and there, and that'll be a couple weeks for me if, if I did it every day, you know? So, yeah. Um, so it just depends on how that's spread out. And it seems like, for me, it's like I always wonder how in the world do some people complete these games in, in like a couple days where it, it seems like it's a short game. For me, it's over two weeks. But then it's like people finish it in two days. I take two weeks. And it's like, how do they do that? They, go, they don't have jobs, Tim. They don't have jobs. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'm going off on a tangent. But uh, yeah, but that's a good one, um, Nick, up, up for the um, Breath of the Wild and the Battle Royale. Um, so, do you play any Battle Royale games? Can't hear you, Nick. I can hear you. I can hear you fine, Nick. Okay. Oh, now I can hear. Uh, you. Okay. All right. I don't play any battle royale well i i brought kirby clash which is somewhat of a battle which is like a bad a boss battler game so i do play do play some things like that but the battle royale thing is another thing to add to what drew was saying mm-hmm. about these long term games that take tons of hours that's i mean most of these battle royale games are never ending games right so you throw that into the mix this decade with also these single player um two three hundred hour games that you can play and so yeah it just you're right, Drew, that developers are really just trying to find out how can we keep you in our game the longest amount of time possible. And it's it's almost like, I get it, we just talked about the, the dollar value, but I almost don't want it. You know, I hate to say it, but I want myself a really good 20-hour game. Like, Luigi's Mansion was kind of perfect. That, like, that's, that's it. Give me the extras and the collectibles if I want, but to, for a 50 hours or 70 hours just to be the main storyline is... 
It's a big commitment, right? Drew, aren't you playing Dauntless right now? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, John. <laughs> but... <laughs> Do, do we still uh, have a two good? Do we still have a good two-person guild, Drew? Has anybody else joined that end dead? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that might be broad. <laughs> See, because that's the problem. Nobody, nobody can commit, right? And, and now right. that I have Witcher Three, will I even go back to it? Yeah, I mean, I will, but yeah, it, it's it's funny. I, I'm one of those guys. I like to play one game at a time, and it might be a bad habit, but I like to get wrapped to into one on thing, that, right? And, until I finish it. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a 10-hour game or a 100-hour game. I like to do that, too. I, I'd like to bring something else here. Um, I know the, 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 the Epic Games have sort of taken over. And when the big games come out, you know, um, there we go with the big story. But uh, to me, in terms of the industry, game of the decade, I'll tell you, I'm a fan of, uh, like, I don't know what you'd call them, time-scaling games. Games that where you can beat them, roll credits in maybe about 10 hours or so. Um, but you can play for 20 hours, 40 hours, depending on what your goals are. Hey, Sam. Hello. Uh, hey, welcome to the d- dinner table. <laughs> sorry, I'm late. I got sucked into a last-minute board game stuff, and I had to finish it. <laughs> no problem. You just missed the appetizer, so... Okay. <laughs> we're yeah, just talking... to eat. Yeah, there's plenty to eat. We're just starting on the main dish, so we're just talking about the uh, games that define the decade for you and or the industry, and that's what uh, John was just getting into there. Cool. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like a, a game that scales in time. Like I love a game where you can roll credits in 10 to 15 hours, um, but maybe you can complete a little bit more, and maybe that takes you 30 hours. And a game that um, has really hard goals or achievements and things like that or DLC that comes later um, especially if it's free and then by the end of it you've spent 60-70 hours in um, but you don't feel like you had to it's not like mm-hmm. a game where you know maybe like The Witcher 3 where to get through it it is going to take you 60 hours where you, you'll look at how long to beat and you go oh 60 hours and you're immediately like oh so now every time you like accomplish something in the game early on, you're just mm-hmm. like, what's the what's the point? I, you know, right. I got it's a tur- four hours. And it's a turnoff, right, John? And, that, and I was just saying right. it to you. You start a game like Witcher 3, you know you're investing a long time where, I just told you this, I have to now learn the the controllers. I have to learn how to craft. I have to learn how to do potions. I have to learn yeah. the battle system. I have to learn how to talk to people, how to run, how to, like, it's like, man, like, I'm going to be 10 hours into this game before I even understand it. Where I right. would have been done with a different game. So you got to know going into it, you have to fight through. And it was the same thing with Breath of the Wild, right? You had to understand the, the, the weapons breaking, and you had to understand right. how to make food at the campfire, and that you had to have recipes. You know, it takes time. So you have to know going into a game, you're not going to just kind of pick this game up and start understanding it all in five, five hours. Yep. You're just yep. not where other games you're halfway done with it you know and and that's why i want to bring in in terms of a, a game that has changed the industry this decade um is celeste and i'm gonna say celeste for a couple of reasons um one uh it has shown what an indie game can do now um we've had indie games before the 360 really kind of introduced them into the the console world but Celeste competed for a Game of the Year award with huge games. Um, and it was crazy to see the, the, the Game Awards and see all these big AAA multi-million dollar titles. And then here's Celeste, literally from a company called Matt Makes Games. Um, and it was like about five people that made the games. And he's like now since changed the name of the company. 
but it was like literally a guy. I was following the guy on Twitter for a year um, as he's posting updates, like sitting in his room working on this game. But what makes Celeste so amazing is that it kind of broke the mold on what an indie game can be. And Celeste is a game where you can beat the game in like 15, 20 hours. It's a hard platformer. Um, and they get, they have an assist mode to make it easier. But what makes Celeste so incredible is it's done perfectly. It's executed perfectly by an indie developer. And it is a game that has amazing kind of retro graphics. It's sort of perfected it. And the storyline to this game, I've never played this game, is so wonderful there is that there is a story it's a game like super meat boy but super meat boy never had a good story celeste has an amazing story i mean there's points in that where you are just laughing there's characters that are just incredible um but then i i mean i can't tell you how many times during the game i cried i would cry sometimes just hearing madeline who's the main character talk uh because they use kind of like a simlish language but they really tweaked the um the notes on her voice like when she was sad you could hear it. When she was happy, you could hear it. Um, even the chat bubbles, sometimes um, the characters would come out of their chat bubbles. It was, it was just an incredible game. Uh, it was divided into seven chapters. And by the end, if you beat that game, especially if you didn't do any assists, when you beat that game, I don't know if anybody here has beaten that game. I'm sure somebody has. Yeah. You feel, I mean, the, the feeling you feel when you finally beat that game like lifting a bear off your shoulders like wow like i got to the top of this freaking mountain that game was so hard and so satisfying and then when you are done um getting all the strawberry uh the, the strawberries you can go back and try to collect them all get different endings um then you can go back and try to get golden strawberries which to me were insane but like it is amazing what an indie game can do now and now we've seen i mean we've seen indie games like cuphead if you want to call that an indie game Untitled Goose Game was absolutely incredible. Um, and the game that's winning uh, Disco Elysium or whatever, it's winning a lot of awards this year. So we're seeing every year now where indie games are competing for the best game of the year. And um, I think Celeste sort of kind of brought that in. And um, yeah, for that, I'm going to say that's that's the industry changer of the decade. Nice. Anybody want to uh, second I just, that? Um, I <laughs> Yeah, I second that. I also would just like to say, I think Celeste, uh, I don't know if it was the first one to do it, but maybe the first one I played, where the story was so important to them, they were okay to do those assist modes. Kind of like what Nintendo does with just making things easier. You don't see that a lot in indie games. And for me, that might have been one of the first indie games that I can think of offhand that did that. That was like, we just want you to play this. It's okay, we'll give you some help if you need it. And the assist mode was incredible there, because when, yeah. when the first time you enable it, you actually get a screen of text that says, um, this game has been tuned the way the developer intended for it. If by using assist mode, you are breaking how it was intended to be used. But go ahead, but let it be known, this is not how we wanted the game to be, but here you go, because we know that some people just need it. My, my wife and, I, and I agree, John, it wasn't... So for me, I enjoyed Celeste, but it, it, and, and to your point with the indie stuff, I 100% I agree where... For me, that game really was so good because of the story and visual, right? The gameplay itself was okay. It was nothing special to me. But um, to your point, it shows that the indie guys can compete with those type of things to, to attract it. I think the bigger question here, John, is how many golden strawberries did you get? One. I, I did the first <laughs> the first chapter. That was it. I think people are insane for going for that. Well, let me re-ask the question then. 
Mole, Sam, how many stolen strawberries did you get? Uh, I don't remember. It's been a while since I played the game. <laughs> I know I never did any of the B-sides. So I was definitely trying for it at the beginning, and I think that might be one of the reasons I didn't like the game as much, because they do become well, that's just... too much. Yeah, I, I, I just went to enjoy it. I didn't really... And for, for anyone who doesn't know, the Golden Strawberry is basically we start a chapter, and a, and a, a chapter is broken up into a lot of different levels. They all connect. It's not like Super Meat Boy, where it's like one level is like on its own. Um, and what happens when you want to collect the Golden Strawberries is you say, I'm going for the Golden Strawberries. And so when you start off, there's a Golden Strawberry sitting next to you. You grab it, and then you have to go all the way through the chapter, all of the levels, without dying. If you die one time, they send you back to the beginning, and you have to go through it again. So basically, you have to get through a chapter without dying. And I can't even describe to you how impossible that is for most worlds. Um, you can do the first world, and then like it gets harder and harder. And I, by the end, I, I can't imagine getting through 20 minutes of a chapter dying uh, expectedly and then having to do it again. Um, they're kind of insane. But yeah, there are B-sides which are basically cassette tapes you find in each level. And then there are C-sides when you complete all the B-sides. And they're even more insane. They're usually only like three levels long, but they are incredibly hard. And those have golden strawberries. So, yeah, there's so much you can do in that game. I'm just blown away by these topics, by the way. <laughs> so, because actually, <laughs> that was one of my topics, or that was my comment for the industry uh, of the impactful thing for the decade which was the indie games um industry itself all all indie games that genre if you will i guess if you want to call it that just indie games coming in and being able to supplement those big triple a games uh and then even coming up to that level in a lot of cases to me was uh very impactful uh to the gaming interest industry in fact i thought it was so impactful that i think if it wasn't for indie games, I don't think the Switch would be as big as it is today. Uh, and, and even Xbox 360. I agree with that, yeah. So, like, even when they started doing it, too, it seemed like everybody who started courting indies, indie games into their to supplement their libraries, they should be thanking them for that. So, and I think a lot of people, like, even the Vita, I think, was a good indie machine for a while there. Um so I think that that is definitely impactful to the industry. And that was one of my picks. So the game that I picked is, in my opinion, it's, it's both industry and personal for being extremely impactful. It's a game that gets a lot of flack because of the content that in it is in it. But depending on how you play, you don't necessarily see that content. The game I'm talking about is going to be Grand Theft Auto V or Grand Theft Auto Online. Um, you go through the storyline, and there's obviously a ton of language and a ton of violence, drug use, um, a lot of different stuff. Online is not quite as rough as the single player. Um, I could say most of the games that I play, once I beat them, I have a tendency not to go back because mentally it's just kind of a, I've beat it, I have nothing left to do, which is why I try to do a lot of the side quests while I'm playing the, the main story. I have sunk well over 500 hours into Grand Theft Auto Online. <laughs> um, 
it's a fun game to play on your own. It's very sandbox, or it can be mission-driven, depending on how you play. You can go in and just drive if you want to. You can go in and cause havoc and chaos with all the other players that are there. They've got missions you can run. They've got group missions you can run, which are your, your heist-style stuffs. Um, and just the fact that they have perfected not only driving, walking, you know, your, your weapon systems, your clothing, going into different buildings. It's It was essentially it's the perfect storm of what you would expect in an open-world game, and pretty much everything is been fine-tuned to perfection. Would you say the online... Uh, did you like the online better or, you know, one of the, yes. the single-player? Okay. Absolutely love the online way better. Um, I've got a couple of friends that, for a long time, every Friday and Saturday night, we would get together around 8 o'clock and we would start running missions together. It would be two, three in the morning before we would stop. And we did that for several, several months um, until one of the guys ended up going to college and we kind of just broke off and did our own thing for a while. But it's it's one of those games that, if, especially if you've got a group of friends that have the ability to sit and play, even just not running missions and running around doing stuff individually, some of the hijinks that you just happen to find yourself in can be absolutely hysterical. That's awesome. This, here's a good question for you. Would you double dip if it came to the Switch? Technically, I've already double dipped. <laughs> I've got well over 500 hours into PC. Okay. And a buddy of mine, I found out that he's got it on PS4, and I went back and bought it on PS4. And I've been playing with him on PS4, building up my character there. Nice. So triple dip then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I probably would. Nice. I know a lot of people have been talking about that as a rumor that, you know, that would be something else. But you never know. You never know. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, the, I did already see the commercial. It's on no, the go. So you see right? somebody stealing it out of the... <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Great one. So anybody else want to put uh, any feedback on that one? I think it just goes kind of what we talked about already. Just yeah. another example. 500 hours of, right. you know, how do you have time for another game? And, and honestly, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I had no desire to ever play any Grand Theft Auto game ever. And like I said, a buddy of mine said, hey, we'll play together if you'll play with us. And I just fell in love with it. Interesting. All right, Sam, what you got for us? Uh, are we talking industry influence, or are we talking personal, like, favorite? Either one. Either one. Okay. Or both, if you've got both. <clears throat> well, I can throw both, because it's very different answers. Okay. Um, for the industry, I would I would go with the what I would assume to a lot of people is an obvious pick, which is Fortnite. Yes. Uh, I'm not terribly fond of it, but, I mean, just looking at the... Um, the way they have really demonstrated how to do a game as service, how to do you know, online updates and these you know live events and things, like it, it really is they do it better than anyone else and they've kept it going and they've maintained that popularity when everybody said it's going to be dead and just you know a month's time they, they proved them wrong. And 
especially with the battle pass. I mean, we see laws being passed about loot boxes and battle pass is the new loot box. And <laughs> I think most people are probably a little happy of that you now versus loot boxes. At least they're probably pretty happy about that. Um, so for the industry, I mean, that's a huge influence beyond just the battle royale, everybody trying to imitate that because that, that hasn't really worked. I don't think that's really going to stick around. Um, but for a personal, I would say Splatoon. Uh, as a Nintendo fan, I mean, it's the biggest new Nintendo IP since Animal Crossing, or maybe even since, like, Pokemon, you could argue. Um, especially you look at the numbers it pushes in Japan, and with it being, you know, who would have thought Nintendo would come out with a new IP on the Wii U, and that it would be a multiplayer shooter, and that it would be as successful as, it, you know... I never thought I would care about a shooter, but you know, Nintendo basically reinvented a genre, made their first new IP in a long time, and you know, it's it's just been wonderful. It's one of my it's one of the three games that I think justified buying a Wii U. The other <laughs> ones being Mario Maker and uh, Super Smash Bros. Yeah, and Bayonetta too. <laughs> I I remember. Try I, it I just come up on that. I remember the first trailer for that one, and it was like they had the song going. It was like blah blah blah, and it ends with like splat blah 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 tune, you know. And I remember watching that ad over and over and over with my son as we counted down the days till that game came out. We were so excited for it, and yeah, that game never disappointed. That that's you're, you're right. Well, I mean, Splatoon. And, and like with that trailer, like it's the only time I can remember seeing something that was a hundred percent new. And mm-hmm. not even really a hundred, not all the way knowing even what it was, but knowing that I liked it. Because usually, you know, anything else, I'm like, I'm really skeptical. I'm like, oh, that's probably not going to work in actual gameplay. That's that's probably going to be broken, or, you know, people are going to find ways to abuse these mechanics, or, you know. I'm always usually really skeptical of new, innovative things. Because it usually never works the way you want it to. But Splatoon, I was like... I want this. <laughs> so the other side of that coin could be ARMS then, right? Well, ARMS is basically the same thing. It just wasn't as successful. Right. And I, I did think about ARMS as a runner-up. I, <laughs> I love ARMS. Um, so do I. <laughs> it did not get the fair shake that it deserved, and I really hope we get an ARMS sequel. The yeah. game has a lot more problems. I, I, I think they, they need to fine-tune it a little bit. And it also, in terms of Switch lived in Splatoon 2's shadow as soon as Splatoon 2 came yeah, out. Yeah, that's probably what Yeah, I think it came out problem. like a month later. Yeah, yeah it had a month. And then I, I think Nintendo was a little worried about like how ARMS would, would play, and obviously they wanted to get Splatoon out as quickly oh, as they and could. It, it feels incredible. rushed because I don't think they wanted to delay it past Splatoon. Because I, it feels less like they did the Splatoon thing with bringing extra content, and it feels like they just kind of got it out there and then release the rest of the content they needed after because it didn't really go have as long a tail on it and the game felt pretty thin at launch it felt like a complete game by the end but yeah i still have hope for arms i i want to see a sequel even arms two so to summarize (laughs) arms 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 is the game of the decade according to sam (laughs) (laughs) close it was close (laughs) <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent conversation, guys. And uh, we can certainly always continue these, and hopefully it'll spark some conversation in our Discord channels as well. Um, so 
I hope anybody who's listening would like to continue that conversation and, and do that. So, um, with that being said, we got about 20 minutes left. I like to try to keep our, you know, dinner meeting short. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, or within an hour, because we already have, you know, the Nintendo Dad show that usually runs two hours. Even though yesterday didn't, it was only an hour and 15 minutes. So, that was something. So, we can make up for it, Tim. We can make, yeah, we can make up for that one, right? <laughs> So, I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's your guys' turn to uh, share your dishes that you guys brought. So with that being said, uh, John, let's start with yours. You have, uh, well, go ahead and talk about your side dish there. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk about a game that people don't really talk about. I think um, coming to the Switch as a port, um, it got a little overshadowed. Uh I think this is the best value Switch game on the planet. Um, nobody talks about it, and uh, I will fight for it uh, every single day. Um, so it is the Child of Light Valiant Hearts Dual Pack. Uh, came out nine months ago or so. That's so a physical, Child of right? Light is a, yeah, and it's physical. Um, you can buy the game separately as well. Um, I did buy Child of Light digitally, and then it came out physical. Ah. <laughs> Um, but um, Child of Light and Valiant Hearts are both ports from previous systems. I actually had played Child of Light on my Vita. Um, I have a Vita, that, and I have five games for it. Uh, I found the library to be really disappointing. Um, but Child of Light had heard some good things. And um, I cannot speak more about how amazing Child of Light is. So Child of Light and Valiant Hearts, each, each of those games is a top 20 game of all time for me. And they're on the same Switch cartridge, and it's $30 at Best Buy. I mean, please, get this game. <laughs> so I'll talk about them both real quick, because I have two games here, and I'm kind of cheating. But um, to me, Child of Light is the perfect RPG. We talked about it earlier. A, a game being about 15 hours is more ideal. And I, I agree with you. 10 to 15 hours to beat a game with additional content is perfect for me. Child of Light is that. It's an RPG. It's about 12 to 15 hours or so. Um, it's built on the Ubisoft UbiArt framework, which is a framework that has had some of the Rayman games, uh, including Legends, um, and really just Child of Light and Valiant Hearts. It's hand-drawn art, and it was it was built by Ubisoft as a way to kind of get developers to build games without a lot of code. Um, so it's trying to be like a Unity engine or something. Um, but they haven't made a lot of games for it. They were going to make it publicly available like Unity, and they just never did. Um, but it's a story about a, a, a little girl named Aurora, um, and uh, she dies right in the beginning of the game. It's not a spoiler. She dies. Sounds like And <laughs> she, she wakes up in this dream world called Lemuria. And I am telling you, this is the most beautiful game. You've never seen graphics like this. You've never heard music like this. The, the music is just beautiful and sad. And the graphics are amazing. And the whole game, all the dialogue, the cutscenes are spoken in poem. It's poetic, and the first time they, they you know, start the game and you start hearing the first story and you hear this woman's voice telling you the story in a like, perfect poetic form, I mean, it just it gets right into you. And you start as this little girl, and she has this sword that she can barely pick up, and when she fights an enemy, she like takes the sword and she's like, Ugh! and then she holds it, like when she wins, she kind of holds it, and she can like barely get it over her head. But then you watch her character evolve over time, and she meets these friends, and they all speak in poem, and it's just amazing. It has a great battle system. Um, if you've ever played Undertale, 
like uh, when you battle somebody, it's not just like a straight battle, it's almost like a game. And uh, this game has, it has like a timeline and you see all the characters and their little avatars run across the timeline. Uh, and then it hits a point where, um, it hits this red point where you can then decide what move you want to do. But then the timeline goes a little bit further. And if during that time you get hit, you're like be sent back. And if you're fighting an enemy and they get into that timeline, into that red part, and you hit them, then they'll lose their turn. So it's very strategic. It's very fun. It's not a long game. Absolutely, if you haven't played this game, my God, play it. It's <laughs> amazing. And then, and then you get another game, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And it came out of nowhere. I just decided to play it because I love Child of Light so much. And I was like, let me get Valiant Hearts. I didn't even know what it was. If Valiant Hearts is um, a story slash puzzle game. It's about World War One. It actually is almost like a documentary of World War One. There's like um, parts of this game where they explain to you how tanks were made. Like, I learned how tanks were made and what they were used for and stuff like that. Wow. But it's a puzzle game uh, which, which is very varied. Um, you are, like, in trenches and whatever, and you have to do things like, oh, set the bomb in this trench, and you have to figure out your way through the tunnels and all that. And you get this, like, dog friend who helps you. And I am telling you, this game is about um, three different countries. Are France and Germany. I can't remember the last one. But it's like, uh, you know, being pulled into the war and how they're pulled away from their families. Was it Poland? And, uh, I don't think so. I can't remember what it was. Um, but, like, they get pulled... Or maybe it's the United States. Um, but they get pulled away from their families, their lives together. And in one particular instance, um, I think it's, like, the uncle or the grandfather and the, and the father. Uh, the grandfather and, like, his son-in-law... Actually, that's selling me. It, no, the grandfather and the son-in-law are pulled into um, two different uh, sides, France and Germany, because of their heritage. And they literally have to fight each other. Um, it is... I mean, I played through the game. It's very emotional. It tells a great story. The puzzles are so much fun and so varied. And you have this dog, and they do these cutscenes, and there's some action sequences. And I am telling you, like, playing this game, it's about 10 hours, too. You play through this game, the ending of this game is the most soul-crushing, heart-wrenching thing you will ever see. I, I not only cried, I bawled to the end of this game. I bawled out loud. My family could hear me. It was so crushing. You ugly cried? Um, it, I mean, it was probably an ugly cry. But I am telling you, this game is amazing. Nobody talks about it. Uh, absolutely incredible game. Um, and to buy this two-pack is just... The biggest no-brainer in history. You, you'll absolutely love both games. They're just so beautifully done. Um, Ubisoft, uh, hats off to you. Uh, you're amazing. So uh, there you go. 25 hours, and you'll play two of the best games you'll ever play in your life. Nice. Done. And when you sent me wow. that on what you were going to be talking about, I you reminded me of that because I saw it at Best Buy, and I immediately put it on my to buy list. So <laughs> yeah, oh, it's totally worth it. It's it's incredible. Nice. All right. Next up, Drew. All right, so I wanted to talk about a game we kind of mentioned already, Dauntless. Uh, I know you guys talked a little bit on the show, but I wanted a little bit more because it, it, it's a pretty cool game where if, if you don't know what it is, think of uh, Monster Hunter uh, where you're, you're, you're hunting very, very large monsters where a battle could take up to you know, 10 to, to 20 minutes and um, combine that idea with Fortnite, let's say, where um, you team up with other people. So it... it it starts, you have the central hub town, 
where you can, uh, you know, you have your your blacksmith. You got potions that you can brew, weapons you can you can upgrade and buy, um, armor pieces you can upgrade and buy, and they all have different stats and whatnot. And um, you you do have the battle pass concept like you do in, in Fortnite, where you can you know for five bucks. I do like their battle pass. I don't know what Fortnite is, is but uh, it's ninety days, which is kind of nice. Gives you a nice lengthy time to to do it. Um, so you can you party up with uh, up the teams of four. So it's kind of cool where you're not really competing against each other. You're really on the same team, and um, you're going out to fight uh, behemoth or or a monster essentially. But what I really like about it is is there's a lot of strategy, where depending on who you go fight, you want to make sure you have um, certain types of weapons and armor, right? So if you're fighting, for example, a fire monster, you want ice. Um, weapons and fire armor, right? But but what's really cool is you start to learn the different monsters, and there's a ton of them. But it's almost like Punch-Out, if I had to compare it to something, where you can learn the patterns and you can learn weaknesses. Kind of like the first time you guys ever punched Bald Bull in the, in the stomach and he squeezed over and, and fell. It's the same concept where if you're fighting a fire monster... And he has like the this this fire sack that he sprays out fire on his arm. If you use a hammer, you can go kind of. If you hit enough times, you can kind of break it, and then they can't throw fire at you. So there there's these little things where also if they're same concept as Bullet Bill, if they're charging at you, you can actually instead of dodging it, if you hit them directly in the head, they'll actually stagger and fall over. So it's cool where you can learn the different monsters and different concepts of them and trying to find their weaknesses. So it's not just a hack and slash. Hack and slash doesn't get anywhere. You will die. Um, but it's a, it's a fun, unique game with a different type of concept. It's straight where you can just kind of log in, automatically join a team, and go fight for, um, you know, a few minutes. And if you guys are playing, Nick, right, we have a little guild <laughs> out there. <laughs> so um, come join the Nintendo Dads. I think is our name, uh, Guild. And uh, you could be part of it. It's, it, That's so it, awesome. it's a fun new game. It's free to play, which is which is nice. Um, so it, I'm not going to be like John. It's not the best game you've ever played, but uh, it's fun. It's entertaining, and it's easy just to pick up and put down. So I really like the aspect of that game where you're doing co-op together to defeat a, a monster. Yeah. Kind of like a, I heard someone say, like Monster Hunter Light. You know, so. Uh, yeah. Before, so cross with the Fortnite thing, of course. Well, and as somebody who's played Monster Hunter World, what sticks out to me is how much better it does online. It's so much easier to find a group. That's good to hear. Find even if you don't have friends online, just to get in on a hunt, um, because that's something where even though World specifically was supposed to streamline things, I don't think it went far enough. Because yeah. Monster Hunter has always been difficult to approach. Right. Yeah, and it's, I like how this helps with that approach, and I also like how it's cross-platform, so that anything that I do in on that I did on my PC and play on mm. my PC, I can easily just pick Shoot. it up on my Switch, or vice versa, which is really cool. So, which yep. I did, I actually started on the PC to get things going and get through that, and then even though I haven't jumped into it on my switch yet i i wanted to get into that too so i i'll probably be giant joining that guild too soon yeah i mean there's there's some things that i wish were a little bit better i mean the weapons are cool like i said you know different there's there's a variety of different weapons you can use um with also a variety of different like you said elements right so 
the thing that kind of sucks is if I spend all my money on a on an ice hammer, and then I have to go fight, you know, an electric monster. It's like, well, now I can't use the hammer I just spent all my gold on. I have, you know, or else it's going to not be as strong. So there's, there's, I, I get it, but it's just another thing. I feel like there's a lot of, well, if you buy money, you could maybe upgrade your hammer better. So th- there's definitely some downfalls. But um, if you're just in there to kind of have fun, enjoy yourself, and go fight some monsters, fun little game. Yeah. And Justin, obviously, I don't know if he's joined the guild yet, but I know he's had a lot of fun with that game. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for bringing that one. That's That one I, I definitely like to hear about. So it's two in a row. Yeah, I, I need to find time to play. <laughs> if I can for a second. Sure. Um, I, really, I really love the fact, too, that uh, there's a co-op feature if you want it. Sometimes I don't feel like doing that, so I just fight like one of the lesser beasts, go in by myself, have some fun beating it up and there's actually you can some of the bounties are like picking up so many of the uh of the the flora uh fauna in the uh in the world and so you can go explore and pick some of that up gain some uh, hunt pass points that way and then just Mm -hmm. go fight a lesser beast and do it all by yourself if you if you're just not in the mood to deal with uh with like a hunt pack and so sometimes i'm not in the mood to deal with a group of people and i just want to do it by myself so that's an option if you want to do it or if you're into it you fight a big beast that you definitely need three other people for and uh, that'll definitely progress you a lot quicker so yeah i'm I'm enjoying the game a lot and the cool part about that nick is is that even if you're in a group of four and let's say like one or two people drop out which i like about this game is the boss actually adapts to that so it knows so if you started with let's just say four people the health is times four as soon as one person drops out like the health meter does drop to kind of correlate with how many people are in your party so it's not like oh crap we lost a guy we might as well just quit this hunt and start over no it will adapt so it won't hit you as hard it's not going to have as much health and things like that. Definitely pretty cool. That is cool. Very cool. Anybody else playing this game? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Echo? Echo? <laughs> Guild of Two. Guild of Two. That's All right. right. We got to work on that. Some time, but I mean, it's it's one of those. Everything seems to be getting updates now, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. hard to make time for all of it at once. Yep, that's what we were talking about earlier, right? That time, the time factor. <laughs> Jason, it looks like you have on your side dish, you still got some more GTA for us. <laughs> yeah, so, I, like I said, I know a lot, it gets a bad rap for content, and like I said, online is much more enjoyable, especially content-wise. You're going to get a lot of language and, you know, suggestive language as well. But for the most part, so the kids should definitely be involved in this game, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Um, But the like I said, I mentioned earlier that you've got different heists, which is like your co-op missions. Um, You've got there's mainly as of right now four or five different heists that you can run. Typically, they you're required to have at least four people in each of those heists. Um, but there's, um, like I said, there's also missions you can run on your own. Or they did start implementing in some of the newer DLCs, which they've constantly got DLCs coming out, um, that some of the missions can be run just one or two people as opposed to requiring to have four people in each of the heists. The bigger missions, of course, they require 
four people, but they've scaled it a little bit to where you can have just one or two people. If you can do it on your own, you can do it that way with just two people if you want. Um, and there's so many different game modes in this. Um, like I said, you you've got a you can do actual race missions where it's just you and a bunch of people racing on both player created and uh, Rockstar created courses, and it can be pretty much anywhere within the world. Some of them go underwater. They've got a, a, a myriad of different vehicles you can purchase, as well as one different ones. It's it's crazy some of the levels that that players have created and how they pretty much match up to your Rockstar created race courses. It's crazy some of the people out there, the, the courses they can come up with. Um, you've got your drug running missions. You've got just a, a mission of get from A to B in X amount of times. They've got um, it's just lobby missions. Stuff of, okay, get in a plane, go as high as possible and see how close you can get to the ground without killing yourself. <laughs> it, it, there's just so much different content in the game. It's it's amazing how many different ways you can play it. And you'd never even see some of the, I guess you could say, R-rated content based on how you're playing. Right. So, Jay, does, like, when you get the, like, end-of-year Sony email, does it tell you, like, you've killed this many prostitutes this year? <laughs> Actually, if you go on to uh, Rockstar Social Club online, it will tell you you've killed this many cops, you've killed um, this many... <laughs> does tell you. <laughs> you've stolen this many pounds of drugs, you know? <laughs> Next on the Disney guys. The longest chase you've had is this long. You know, I mean, it's crazy some of the stats they have on there. You've been killed by character John Blanco seven hundred times. Yes. It's well, it's amazing how many copies this game has been sold too. So there's got to be something said yes, about that. This game is the absolute best-selling game in the history of video games. Mm-hmm. It's made more money than Star Wars and Marvel combined. Yeah, it's something else. It's it is cool. <laughs> if you look at like the the top selling games of all time, yeah, GTA is at the top, and then there's like a bunch of Nintendo games that are usually like pack in titles, you know. So it's like always really unfair. But it's like, and then there's GTA, and it's like well, good smart marketing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's. I, I'll be honest. A lot of the money that it it has made is from what they call their shark cards. Where you can go in and pay, you know, say a hundred dollars and get eight million dollars in-game currency. So there's a lot of pay-to-play, but at the same time, you can run missions and get that same amount of money in just a couple of days if you just put your nose to the grindstone and and run your. Jay, mission. time is money, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pay that cash. And uh, next up on Disney, de- uh, guys, it's going to be a discussion <laughs> about uh, Disney purchasing. Rockstar Games, so oh, <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> that'll be next up because it's making so much money that Disney has to make more, right? So I mean, they've been purchasing uh, IPs right and left just to make money that way. Yes. All right. So next up, we've got Nick with Mario Kart Monopoly. Ooh. Yeah, I thought I'd throw a curveball in there this uh, this month because um, I've been playing Dauntless and Ukulele, and I thought, well, they've kind of been talked about. So, 
just the other day, we sat down with the family and uh, broke out. Somebody brought Mario Kart Monopoly, and uh, my kids, my kids don't really care for Monopoly all in all because they say it takes too long and the money's too complicated and they just get frustrated and blah blah. And so, but Mario Kart Monopoly has taken the money out and has swapped it for coins, and so everything's pretty simple. Like, I think the most you the most you have to pay for a property is four coins. So it's really easy for the kids to be like, all right, I just need four coins to buy this. It's not like $250 or something like that. And they've taken the, um, if you lose all your money, literally in the instructions, it says, it sounds like you're having a bad day. Just don't worry about it. And it's the end of your turn. So, and how you win is by, instead of like trying to knock somebody out by making them lose all their cash, um, when when everybody has gone, well, not everybody, but when you go, when you pass go eight times, it doesn't have to be you particularly, but out of the four players, once go is passed eight times, each time you pass it, you trigger a race, and you win the race by rolling the die, and whoever gets the highest win, the highest roll, wins that race, and it's worth so many points and so many coins, and there's all kinds of different things. One of, um, and so once you pass it eight times, the game is over. So it's a much quicker version of Monopoly 2. Uh, I think it. I think it only took about an hour, and we were kind of learning the, the the directions a little bit. So you could probably cut a little bit of time off of that as well. So you pass it eight times, and then once you're done, you just count the points, and all your properties are worth points. However many coins you have, those are worth points, and how many races you've won is worth points. And whoever has the most points wins. And I just, I just noticed that my kids absolutely, they loved it. They were like, oh, I, they got it. They understood it. It wasn't taking a long time. Nobody was like, I'm out of money and now I'm sad. Um, it was just like, it was, it just worked. It works really well. I, when I sat down, I just thought it was going to be Monopoly with like Mario Kart parts. But they have, uh, they've really moved stuff around to make it fun. And it seems like they've almost, they've done the Nintendo thing to make it easier for kids. Um, there's also, you, instead of rolling two, you roll two die, but only one of them moves you, and the other one has, like, has special abilities on it, like the lightning or green shell, blue shell, and depending on what you roll on that, that die, um, it gives you certain things that you get. You know, you might have uh, somebody drop three coins or something like that. There's all kinds of different stuff. But just the fact that if you're, if you're looking at it and you, you think that if you had a version of Monopoly that was maybe a little bit easier to understand in the ways I explained, it might be something you want to look at because it's more than just Monopoly for well, Mario Kart. And Nick, you, you bring up an interesting point because I think, I mean, like a lot of us grew up on Monopoly. It was like the the first like big board game. Most of the board games we played, Shoots and Ladders or whatever, ended quickly, but Monopoly took longer. But like Monopoly has always been kind of broken because the problem is if you invite some friends over and you play Monopoly and that game lasts like three hours and somebody gets bankrupted after one hour, what do you do? Like, you know, you just sit there and you have nothing <laughs> right, right. to do. If you're playing, like, right, right. Your, your siblings, I mean, they'll just go, okay, I'm going to go to my room. I'm done. Yeah. No, but you become the banker. Over. You're the banker now. <laughs> yeah, but, like, Monopoly is, like, I would never, like, we do board game nights with friends, and we would never play Monopoly because, you know, somebody exits the game, and they could sit around for two hours and have nothing to do. So I think it's good that you kind of, like, limit the play time. I like that, um, too, yeah. You know, simply, yeah, I mean, I think that does make it a lot better. It's like, we're going to sit down and play Monopoly, and it's going to take us 30 minutes. It's not going to take us potentially four hours, and people are going to be bored to death. So I think that's a really cool feature. 
That is very cool. What do you? Yeah. What uh, Nick? What do they have for like the player pieces? Are they actually Mario Karts? Oh yeah, they're actually cars. Um, although the biggest complaint was that they don't roll. That was like everybody's like, why don't the wheels actually work? Um, but it's uh, oh man, you're gonna stretch me. I think a Mario, Yoshi, obviously Luigi. Oh, and Princess Peach. I'm fairly certain those are the four. And you can um, actually buy expansion characters to add oh, really? to the game as well. Mm-hmm. Well, well. If, if well, you can find them. Yeah. They're DLC characters? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> is is Waluigi included in this? Or is Absolutely <laughs> not. You can never find Waluigi. <laughs> you can make him yourself. That's right. <laughs> I think Nick needs to hold a virtual Mario Kart Monopoly on here. And we can all play. Hey, there you go. I mean, they'll just roll the dice for us and we'll watch. <laughs> Everybody just put it on their uh, phones. The the die roll on their phone. Dinner table January, right there. There you go. That's right. <laughs> and then and then Jay is gonna carjack Peach. <laughs> <laughs> no, but literally it was so Nintendo S to have like at the table my grandmother who is like eighty four has no idea what the second die does, right? She's like, I rolled a blue shell, I have no idea what the heck I just did. But so we would just explain to her the ability and she was like, Alright, I got three coins or you lose three coins. And and then my five year old's like, All right, sweet, this is Mario. I I I don't have any idea about the coins or the money or how that works, but I know that this is Mario. So I was just looking at the table thinking, this is this is definitely a Nintendo Monopoly that you can span this this age range. And, That's cool. And Drew was just showing that you could just replace those little pieces with I the Hot Wheels all, pieces. I guys. Totally. And, use, and those roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. That, that is something that um, I've had my eye on as well, that Mario Kart, Kart Monopoly... Um, and what you explained there makes me ten times more interested. Again, something I'm gonna have to add to the list of things to buy. So, <laughs> Tim, how long is this list? I know, you gotta, I know. You I, keep, list. You're in I keep buying he stuff. He just opens it up and cries. I keep buying stuff, and then new stuff gets on there. I don't know. So, all right, Sam, you're gonna make me want to buy these games as well. You got you. You're bringing Breath of the Breath of Fire one and two. Well, the good news is you don't have to buy them. Again, <laughs> That's right. They're on Nintendo Switch Online. Whew. If you already bought Nintendo Switch Online, you have access to both Sweet. of them through the Super Nintendo Excellent. Uh, app. So uh, that's kind of what made them stand out to me. Um, I actually played the first Breath of Fire a long time ago. It was ported to the Game Boy Advance. And I don't think I even knew it was a port of a SNES game. I just got it as a gift or picked it up at a yard sale or something and I played it and I was like this game's pretty weird but okay um so when I saw Breath of Fire well first when I saw Breath of Fire was on there it stood out because it's like the Super Nintendo has a lot of you know classic RPGs on it you know Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy Super Mario RPG Earthbound none of those are on Nintendo Switch Online right instead we get Breath of Fire (laughs) And that's not topping the list for anybody, but it's on the list. You know, it's it's, it's a series with some history. Um, it's produced by Capcom, and Breath of Fire 2 in particular is very interesting because uh, it is a legendarily bad English localization. <laughs> um, so it's not, you know, all your base are belong to us level English, but it is, it shows. You know, there's a lot of spelling mistakes, a lot of grammar mistakes. Character names are pretty bad. 
Um, they get spelled differently in different points just because they didn't hit, they didn't God. standardize it, I guess, across the whole game. Um, there, but it is unintentionally hilarious at points. Um, my personal favorite is you get attacked by demons that are supposed to be, you know, giving some kind of menacing growl, but instead the in-game text renders this as burr, burr. <laughs> They're apparently very cold. Um, there's actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of the site legends of localization but they have like a whole like tab of their site dedicated to breath of fire 2 um <laughs> talking about because it's weird because it's very inconsistent because there are parts of it that are actually like really well translated like there's there's this circus you go to and there's a guy who tells you gives you riddles and they're actually like pretty well translated like they rhyme they make sense the, the answers even kind of make sense i mean it's always a toss-up with riddles but uh that was the guy they paid more. Yeah. The other people who were interns. Well, I, I think it's a rush job. And the other <laughs> interesting true. part of that is that they actually got a lot of stuff past Nintendo's censors, evidently. Uh, maybe because it was poorly translated, but I mean, this was a game that came out at a time where, you know, you couldn't reference religion or death, and that's all over this game. It's, it's very bizarre. You know, just as a historical curiosity, I think. But I think the game holds up pretty well. It's it's very much an old school RPG. I've been playing with a guide. There's no shame in that. These games <laughs> no don't shame. respect your time. They don't tell you where to go. Right. And when they tell you where to go, you miss out on secret stuff. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's no shame in that. And one of the things that does stand out to me, too, is the animation. I mean, it's a, it's a 16-bit game. But the animation seems really good for that time period. Like, um, even like in little details, like one of the first party members you get is like a, he's like a dog man and he has a crossbow and like his standard attack animation, he like cocks his head and aims his crossbow and fires and like his ears flop while he's doing that. Like there's just a lot of nice little details. Uh, one of my favorites is that, uh, the merchants every time you close out a shop menu the little merchant like pulls out i'm not sure if he's supposed to be counting coins i mean it's a small sprite he's either like counting the coins or he's like pulling out a little slide rule or something and he like just just you know does that motion for a little bit and then he gives you a little okay uh and it's just you know <laughs> there's some nice little details there uh it's it's worth checking out and like i said it's on switch online if you've played the other great SNES RPGs, or if all you have access to for the Super Nintendo library is that app, then uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, Nick, would you say is there an advantage to um, um, you playing it on the the con like having the rewind features and stuff like that? Um, save states I have used because it allows me to ignore the presence of save points okay. pretty much and just save wherever I want. So that's a big boon, I would say, and to have multiple save slots, because without, without that, you really can't. The game allows you for three saves, but when you go to a dragon statue, which is how you save, it always just overwrites the one slot. It's only intended for you to, you know, if you had three people in your, on your console trying to play it.
Um, I think it's better than the original SNES. One thing that I do miss from the Game Boy Advance port is that it had a run button that was not in the original, and that is not here. Hmm. Um, so that's a little sad. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the Nintendo Online as a whole, John, is comfort when you pull out the old NES. It's like, oh man, please don't freeze. I'm I'm, I'm an hour in. Yeah, you know. I think that alone is worth it for me. Yeah, that's why I don't play my NES anymore. I don't no. have that much problem as much on the Super Nintendo, but yeah, I've I've gone away from cartridges. Um, I do find like and and you know obviously Drew and I run Monthly Mayhem, and we don't really run contests in uh, the Virtual Console much anymore because now that you know you're competing for gift cards, uh, it, people can cheat, and so right. even if you didn't want to cheat, when you know other people can, when before when it was for pride, there was no point but now it's like whoa 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 there's like 15 bucks on the line here i'm gonna cheat like crazy (laughs) so but when you're playing a game for yourself breath of the fire like i wonder if like there's this temptation to just constantly rewind and what that takes away from the game or what how if or if it helps you because there's got to be some games where that doesn't help you kind of like john you were the only one to ever beat ghosts and goblins wonder if you did a little rewind feature there (laughs) well you could Dropped off. Oh, where'd he go? <laughs> he's like, what, he, what was that he question? Knew. He's like, oh, on to me. What was that question? <laughs> One thing I wanted to bring up, too, with the <laughs> translation, that is only Breath of Fire 2. The interesting thing is that for Breath of Fire 1, Capcom actually handed the localization off to Square. So you, if you boot up Breath of Fire 1, you will see Square in the credits. But they just translated stuff to English because Capcom said, wow. you know what? We make Mega Man. There's not a lot of text there. Um, there's not a lot of text in Street Fighter. We haven't done, you know, a big game with all this text before, so we're just going to pass it off to somebody who knows what they're doing. And Breath of Fire 2 shows you why that was the right move. <laughs> well, you know how we were talking about how long to beat earlier? I just went to that site, howlongtobeat.com, and looked up Breath of Fire 2, 1 and 2, and it says it's uh, 30 hours for the first game and 41 hours <sighs> in the second game. Wow. And that's just the. That, that sounds about right. That's just about I guess, the. I've got the guy in front of me. I know I'm only halfway through. I have one party member left to recruit. Nice. Um, I, I don't think I don't think any whale, Super Nintendo so games cross oceans now. <laughs> I don't think any Super Nintendo games went longer than that. Yeah. It was uh, definitely getting your money's worth there, especially being free on the uh, Nintendo Online stuff, right? Well, SNES. free with membership. Free with membership, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great, great stuff as always, guys. Thanks for bringing those side dishes. They tasted great. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> so with that, uh, we've actually gone a little bit over the hour I try to limit the dinner time to. Uh so, which means we kind of run out of time for dessert. But I will leave it open for those who want to stay for dessert, if they have time. And that is to talk about Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. But we won't do it on this show. I'll do it at a different show, where I'll stop this show so that those who don't want to get spoiled, or those of us on this. Con- current show can leave and we can continue on and make it a separate bonus dessert show for the for our listeners uh so with that i want to say thank you all gentlemen for joining this part of the the show the dinner table show 
And again, if any of you want to stay for dessert, we'll talk about the Rise of Skywalker Star Wars movie. And for those who don't, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm full. Uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, I'm just going to loosen the belt buckle here and uh, step out for your Star Wars spoilers. So you'll have fun. Thanks. And for those who are listening, we'll be stopping this show and then like i said it'll be a separate recording for those who want to listen so that yes. thanks thank you tim for hosting sure yeah thanks tim yeah thanks a lot i'll say good night for this part hey john